0: You are listening to Stitchwish Radio, a podcast for crafting your own magic and threads. I'm your host, textile artist, author, and teacher, Christy Johnson. Hey there, and welcome back to Stitch Wish Radio. This is the second episode. And okay, so I know I said in the last episode that I would be sharing the conversation that I have with Zach Foster on I- IG Live, but that's not how it's going to go. I decided instead to just interview Zach and have, you know, like a full 45, 50 minute interview with him um, so that we could hear a lot more about his process. And instead, I also realized as I was thinking about that, I was like, wait, it occurred to me that some folks might have ended up here and not have any idea who I am. So in this podcast, I want to share who I am, where I come from, um, what kind of work I do in the world, why I started this podcast, what I want to highlight with this podcast, what I know to be true. Um, And other ways you can get involved in this work. So to start off, hi, I'm Christy. Nice to meet you. um, I grew up in a household that was very, very textile savvy. Um, My mom knew how to sew. She would, you know, make quilts. She had a knitting machine in the office, like next to the the office desk. There's like a knitting machine and a rack of cones of yarn that she would work with. Um, and as the third child of, you know, my sister's 12 years older than me. So my mom spent 12 years raising kids. Um, I I think she was like kind of, you know, she was kind of ready to be done. And, you know, I was like, here kid play with these scraps and all that's like, my dad was very much a part of the, you know, he very much helped out. But, um, but when it came to the things that kept me busy, it seemed like textile scraps were a really good option. (laughs) Um, so when I was six years old, I mentioned my sister is 12 years 12 years older than me, my sister started studying fashion design. And so I was able to kind of get a glimpse at what that was. Um, and she was always into clothes. Like I was always getting her hand-me-downs and kind of reconfiguring them and playing around with them. But I was able to kind of see like, oh, you know, I got access to a pattern making book. I got access to all this information on what fashion was. So naturally that flowed into me in my adult life, studying fashion design in college. And this was after I was you know, always really into drawing and painting. And so I did a lot of that in my youth. I went to a ma- magnet arts high school, which is a public arts high school, but somehow I knew it was never just fashion that interested me. Like it was always this combination of art and textiles and color and, you know, Home and domestic spaces, and all of these sort of this combination of interests that really lit me up. But because I didn't know how to really describe that into words, I ended up studying fashion design um, as in college. And so I went to school for fashion design, I ended up going into the fashion industry and working in the fashion industry. Um, and I quickly realized I mean, I kind of already knew to be honest, but. I continued to realize and continued to be reminded that fashion did not interest me. I loved clothes. I did not love fashion. So it might not be immediately obvious to some of you like that there's even a difference between clothing and fashion and there. they just there really is. Fashion isn't made to last. Well made clothes are. Fashion is exploitative. Well made clothes are embracing you right now. Fashion is an incessant cycle of trends just constantly being thrown at you. Clothing is an infinite creative field. Fashion wants you to buy, but clothing wants you to feel. And that is really why I moved away from fashion as an industry to just creating clothes that people wanted to wear. Um, And it might be, once again, like hard to kind of tell the distinction, So when I think of, you know, fashion, what fashion is, it's very much tied up in this idea of, you know, we got four seasons a year and we got to have this collection and this collection and this collection and oh, let's get a pre-fall in there so we can make sure to get some orders in and this. And it is a pumping out of goods and it is requiring you to constantly reinvest each season into new pieces. And that for me felt a little bit distracting from what my final goal was, was to just bring us back to the point where we can value a piece of textiles in the first place. No amount of purchasing more textiles is going to make us value what we already have. What felt way more important to me in my own experience with clothing is our ability to transform the cloth that we already have, especially considering you know the ecological state that we're in being able to work with the materials that exist in this world already just felt so much more important. And it's just so much more fun. Like for me, sustainable design is just more fun by recycling, reusing, by supporting companies that use ecological farming practices, by not supporting companies that don't even understand what ethical labor is. h <coughs> and H&M. I'm sorry, but even if you are paying quote unquote, you know, fair dollars, most of the people who are sewing clothes are not getting paid nearly well enough. And there's not a whole lot I can do about that as a single person, but I do just like to infuse everything that I teach with that idea that textiles are of value. The people who create our textiles are of value. We can continue to value the textiles that already exist in this world. We do not need to be bringing more textiles into this world. We have plenty. We have created enough. And so I guess that kind of segues us into what I want to to create this podcast for, like why I wanted to share all this information with you. And that is that textiles are our second skin. Fashion is something that has been made up, invented, and forced upon us to make us believe that we need to buy more things. Textiles are something that we have access to no matter what our financial means because there are so many ways that we can access access textiles that we are able to repurpose clothing and fibers and textiles hold power and they can become an avenue for practicing our, our own magic. I mean, when we think about many of the textiles that surround us are made from plants, cotton, linen, hemp, those are all plants that are, you know, that the fabric originated from plants hold energy. We can use that to our advantage. So I think it's really important to think about textiles in this new way where we, where we really start to bring the value back in. And I'll be talking in a future episode very passionately and excitedly about how much value textiles have for us. But, but for me, the idea that we are constantly surrounded by textiles, no matter how hard we try, it is very rarely in life unless we are out in, out in the middle of the forest, completely butt naked, no shoes on. It is very rare that we are not touching a textile. They are the first thing we are wrapped up in when we are born, and they are the last thing we are wrapped up in as we leave this earth. Textiles connect us all at all times. Another part of, you know, what I want to highlight is the creative act, the amount of opportunity within the creative act, and how the creative act of making just about anything, even even making dinner, creating things in the real world is a practice in manifestation. We learn, you know, the art of bringing things into life in the material world. And this power has the potential to trickle out into our lives. And I know manifestation is like a really hot topic now. But I just think that it's important to remember that even on these smaller scales of like, I want to see, you know, this this image exists in front of me and then drawing that image in front of you, that is an act of manifestation. We are bringing something into this world. And I think being able to incorporate creative acts in our life and being able to bring creative practices into our life can really help transform our ability to be kind of more in charge of our own life and be more in charge of the direction that our life is taking. And that's not to say we are responsible for the position that we are in, but we are the only ones able to move ourselves out of the positions that we're in. So that is where I think the Creative Act helped us really harness that capability. And with that, you know, when we are in this creative avenue, especially if we're thinking about it as an ability to bring new life into the world, we are able to work as conduits with divine forces with our creativity. And in my personal opinion, creativity is divinity. They are the same things. Like, like the idea, the concept of God, the universe, whatever, that created everything that exists is the same concept that lives within us that allows us to create what we want to see in the world. By bringing new forms into the world, this allows us to be in direct communication with divine forces. And that is, you know, totally debatable. I mean, I'm not going to debate it with you because that's how I feel. And that's what I know to be true in my heart. Uh, but many people might say, might say and feel different ways. And that's totally fine as well. But that will be, you know, a little thing that I like to include here and there. Another thing that I, you know, beyond being able to make things happen, when we are, being creative, when we're having these artistic practices, we are playing around, we're experimenting, we're just like seeing what happens. And those things, those play time and that experimentation, those are integral to a life of joy. I mean, Brene Brown said it, she says play is important in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. She talks about it. So I mean, if Brene Brown said it, like, it's got to be true. (laughs) But really, embroidery and other fiber arts can be an opportunity for play. It's a way to, you know, set aside our expectations and learn something new. Now, obviously, this play and experimentation can only happen if we decide to set aside our expectations and open up to learning something new. But um, but that's a really important part of the process. And that is a big part of why I decided to start teaching online courses is because, you know, when I would find myself teaching, I would find a lot of my students asking me questions like, but how, like, what's the right way to do this? Or like, how, how am I supposed to do this exactly? And I was kind of like, you know, not trying to play devil's advocate, but just like speaking from my own experience, it was like, well, you don't have to do it that way though. you know that, right? Like you, you, you can like just play around with it and like, let's, let's find new ways. And I found myself constantly talking with people in this way and kind of encouraging them to really start to experiment. Um, and that became a big part of my learning style line, actually. So you can learn embroidery from me very much in this style of learning how to read the ingredients. Um, I have an online course called Magic Threads and it is open for enrollment until June 28th. Um, but this the beauty of this course is that it's not just teaching you embroidery. Like I teach you how to learn I teach you how to embroider for free in my embroidery portal. So you can just sign up for my email list and get into the embroidery portal and learn all of the stitches for free. But Magic Threads is all about learning how to embroider in a way that is specifically yours. So it's a, a huge chunk of the Magic Threads course is all about developing a creative practice and learning how to see, learning how to look within, learning how to look at the world around you and find inspiration from you know, places that are not Pinterest, places that are not Instagram, really finding inspiration the way that people have always found inspiration. So even just talking with people who have taken the course, for example, a good friend of mine, Sam, who I spoke to recently, and she said, you know, you really revived my artistic practice. I had, she had been working for an artist, and she was kind of like, you know, I I did my own art here and there, but you reminded me of, you know, being able to kind of explore my own interests. And you reminded me of the value of incorporating my own imagery where I can find in the world into my work. Um, And that was basically the hugest compliment I could have possibly received. That's like the entire reason I created this course. So I do have to say, if your goal is to make perfect stitches that are, you know, that you want to be, get you into the Royal School of Needlework, this course is not for you. Um, this is all about getting creative with your stitches, learning new ways to use each of the stitches, um, and really applying them to your own work. All right, well, you can catch me in the next episode where I interview Zach Foster. It's going to be a really wonderful conversation. I look forward to sharing it with you. Um, He has a bunch of amazing offerings as well, a lot of creative cohorts and um, one-on-one creative advising. I highly recommend you check it out. He is super inspirational. And if you want to hear more about the Magic Threads course, you can go ahead and check the link in the show notes. All right. I will be back here in a few days. Bye.